Yeah, bow in a word of prayer, and then we'll uh, go into this. Our Father, we thank you for uh, allowing us to uh, be in your house this day. We thank you for the opportunity to look into your word. We pray that as we look at this, that we would realize um, if we have different uh, things in our life that we worship rather than just you. We just pray, Father, that you would uh, guide and direct us as we look into this. Uh, today, uh, we're going to be in uh, chapter 5 of First uh, Samuel. Um, first of all, um, you know, as, as if any of you read this this week, and uh, I hope you did, but uh, if not, we'll be reading over parts of it here. But I want to do just a little recap. You know, it's been, I think, four weeks since Pastor did chapter four. And uh, if you remember there, the Israelites were defeated by the Philistines in a battle. And when that battle occurred, they, the Philistines uh, captured the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Lord. And... Uh, this was a big deal for them, you know, capturing that. And it was also a really bad deal for the uh, people of Israel. And uh, if you uh, think about it, you know, at that time we had uh, Eli was the, the priest. We had uh, Hophni and uh, Phinehas, his sons. They were, uh, they were in the battle, but they were very corrupt. They, uh, uh, if you remember, they were killed in the battle. But they were, they were corrupt, immoral, um, uh, disobedient to God. They were blasphemers. Anything you can name, that's what these guys were. And, uh, you know, Eli, you know, of course, you know, he's raising, has raised Samuel all these years. So this is the, the background on that. Like I say, the battle was a total disaster. Um, when word came back to uh, Eli, um, he, uh, when he heard the Ark of the Covenant was... Uh, had been captured, his son's killed, he fell backwards, broke his neck, and he died. You know, just really not a great day, you know, if you're, you're you, know, uh, you know, if you're of the uh, uh, Israeli persuasion at that time, you know. And um, so, you know, why was the ark, why was the ark taken by the Philistines? You know, um, you know, as I've been reading this last two weeks, getting ready for this lesson, um, first thing I thought about was the ark was used incorrectly. It wasn't supposed to be taken to the forefront of battles and stuff. Um, the, uh, the ark was not, um, you know, that was, they were using it like a, uh, a lucky charm or a, a talisman or something. You know, they were trying to use it you know, in a very superstitious way. And, uh, you know, when you, when you looked at this, you know, what, what was the Ark? You know, there, uh, in the Ark of the Covenant, I think, if I remember right, uh, there's uh, manna in it, Moses' broken staff. I can't remember. Is there a third thing? What's that? Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments. Yeah, okay, man. The most important thing I forgot. <laughs> you know, but uh, the... Uh, but, you know, other than that, it's just a box, really. I know God, you know, had them make it to specifications, everything else. But, you know, to take it out in front of your army, basically you're just taking an empty box. Because God is not present in that box. You know, God is not contained in that box. So, you know, this is, uh, 
this is the end of chapter four. You know, the, the, the Philistines have captured basically an empty box. But, you know, they were so happy with themselves. So um, I'm going to read a little bit of chapter five here. It says, Then the Philistines took the ark of, the, of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod rose early in the morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set it in its place again. And when they rose early the next morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. The head of Dagon and both of the palms of its hands were broken off on the threshold. Only Dagon's torso was left of it. Therefore, neither the priest of Dagon nor any who come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. So, I mean, when I, when I first saw that I was going to be doing chapter 5 here, I thought, you know, this is, you know, what, what am I going to get out of this? You know, what, what am I going to get out of chapter 5? You know, yeah, it's history. I even went back and read Josephus. He had a, a version of this also, you know, when, when he wrote in his, uh, in his history. And, uh, but, you know, you know, we see that, you know, uh, you know here's the, the god of, uh, that is being used by the Philistines. Now, they used many gods. They were uh, polytheistic. They, uh, but, you know, Dagon, I went back and started trying to read up on him. And uh, that's strange, too. Uh, 3000 BC, basically, in Mesopotamia, somebody came up with Dagon. Dagon, basically, they, the two versions they have of him, but the main version was he was a merman. He was half fish and half man. That's why, you know, he didn't break off his feet, I guess, because, you know, he didn't have any feet. Um, but we see that, uh, you know, here, uh, I don't know how somebody came up with a, a merman as their god. He was a god of uh, farming, fertility, uh, you know, their champion of, in war, everything else. He was also the father of Baal. Now, you guys have heard of Baal many, many times as, you've, as you read your Bible. You know, you, you remember uh, Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Uh, the people of Israel were guilty of worshiping Baal and, and Ashtaroth in the high places, off and on forever, especially if you read the book of Judges, you see that. Um, but, you know, here we have a... Uh, uh, this, this idol, nothing more than, than an idol. Now, they say that in the temples that the idols were usually 30 to 50 foot tall. So that's a pretty big thing to be falling down. But, you know, they, uh, but they bring in the ark and they set it before him like it's, a, like it's the spoils of war to thank him for defeating uh, the armies of Israel. Um, you know, this was common through history, all the false gods. If you go back and read uh, the false gods of the, of the uh, uh, Nordic people, of the Vikings and stuff, they always, every time they won a battle, it was because of the gods. If they lost the battle, it was because of the gods. It was never because they were inferior, they, they did something wrong. It was always the gods. Here, you know, the people of the Philistines, you know, the same thing with them. They won this battle because of God because of their God. And uh, so I think that, you know, we can see, you know, uh, 
people's vision, uh, their perception of their gods was uh, distorted from the beginning. Um, you know, as I look back at uh, chapter 4 and then the beginning of chapter 5, why did, the, why did the nation of Israel lose the battle against the Philistines? It's because they were ungodly. They weren't seeking after and following God. It wasn't. It wasn't because the, the foreign god Dagon was more powerful or anything else. So I think that when I, when I, when I read chapter 5 here, I see a, a real sense of humor on God's part. Uh, it's, uh, you know, kind of morbid, you know, but it, it's a very sense of humor. Uh, you know, first of all, their God falls down. So they, they put it back up. Now, if we have a God, should you have to pick your God up? Uh, I mean, that that's really doesn't make much sense. Well, you know, my God's all-powerful and he, he can do anything. But I, I better go pick him up because he fell over. Uh, you know, he, he, you know I, I don't know if he had one of them little things, I've fallen and I can't get up, you know, like the life alert or anything, you know. But, uh, you know... You, you get that, that feeling, you know. Well, you know, the second day you come in, he's fallen down, and his head's off, and his hands are gone, you know. They're laying on the threshold. Uh, no, that's not a good feeling if that's your all-powerful God either. Well, then, as we read further, this is when um, the real problems begin for the, the Philistines. And they're in the city of, uh, or the town of Ashdod, it says, Behold, the hand of the Lord was heavy on the people of Ashdod, and he ravaged them and struck them with tumors, both Ashdod and its territory. And when the men of Ashdod saw how it was, they said, The ark of God, the ark of the God of Israel, must not remain with us, for his hand is harsh towards us and Dagon our God. Therefore they sent and gathered to themselves all the lords of the Philistines and said, What shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? And they answered, Let the ark of the God of Israel be carried away to Gath. So they carried the ark of the God of Israel away. So it was, after they had carried it away, that the hand of the Lord was against the city with a very great destruction. And he struck the men of the city, both great and small, and tumors broke out on them. So, what we have here now is we have the proverbial hot potato. Um, you know, this thing's burning me up, so I'm going to hand it over to Gath. And they did this. They just kept moving it around. And this plagues just followed it. Um, now, we can think in our minds, why did they put up with this? Why didn't they try to destroy it? Why didn't they, you know, I mean, there could be all kinds of reasons. You know, Philip read... Uh, from judges for me here, uh, you know, about Samson. And, you know, that was our, another uh, uh, point where the people of Israel came in contact with Dagon. And uh, you can see what happened there. You know, uh, he, he brought down their temple and killed 3,000 of them because they were worshiping Dagon at that time. And they're having a feast to him. Now, you got to think that most of these pagan gods, they were having, their feasts were, were more like uh, uh, frat parties and orgies, you know? So, you know, they, 
you know, they weren't really watching much. You know, when everything started shaking, they probably didn't realize until it fell down and killed them. Uh, another thing I got to thinking about, Bryson went to the fair last night and he was watching micro wrestling. But if, did any of you see the old movie Samson and Delilah with Victor Mature? Remember when they said they were going to entertain, they brought Goliath in to entertain? They had little midgets, you know, attacking him if, in that movie. You know, and that's, that's what brought that to mind, uh, him going to the Pharisee micro-wrestling. Um, but uh, he's got pictures to prove it, you know. So. <laughs> but uh, but in, uh, in all of this, we see, you know, you know Baal... Uh, or not Dagon, he, he is uh, a very insufficient God. You know, if he was so powerful, why didn't he stop the tumors? Why didn't he stop, uh, you know, they had an infestation of mice that was eating their fruits, their crops, everything else. Now, how many people like mice in, in, in their stuff? Uh, you know, I really don't care for them, you know. Um, I hear people say, oh, they're kind of cute, you know, and then, you know, that's right before you step on them, you know, but uh, it's the, uh, you know, in all this, you know, we can see the insufficiency of idols. We see how the idols cannot stand up to the one true God. And I think that's what, what the Lord was trying to bring forth to these people was how insufficient their God was. He's also trying to bring forth to the people of Israel at the same time how powerful their God was, but they, he wasn't powerful when they were not seeking after him. And I think, that, you, know, the, you know, the loss in the battle and then seeing how he was victorious over the Philistines without them. Um, the, uh, you know, when we look at the ark, yeah, the ark basically is just a box. It's got some stuff in it, but it, it's, not, it's not the Lord's home. It's not the, where the Lord is uh, reciting. It's not where the Lord is, uh, uh, his power is concentrated. This really had nothing to do with the ark itself. It was the, the matter of, the, uh, of uh, the insufficiency of Dagon. Now, I, uh, I, I'd sort of... Uh, Look back when you uh, go to the, the uh, Ten Commandments, uh, Exodus 20. Let's go there real quick. If, if I can read it for you. If it's, uh, this is the Ten Commandments, but this is verse 3 through 5. It says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves a craven or a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to the thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Here's God's basic tenet about idols. Now, nobody was, was seeking after this. Now, you know, we, if we look back in the Bible, I think that we, we see instance after instance of, of uh, the people of Israel worshiping false gods. We, we have, uh, 
I think that when they came out of Egypt, they even brought false gods with them. Um, you know, when Moses went up to Mount Sinai, they erected the golden calf to worship. You know, there was an idol there, you know, of a false god. We see their failure time after time after time. Now, it's easy to judge, isn't it? Uh, how many times do we fail to worship uh, Christ as we should? How many times do we uh, lose sight of what Christ has really done for us? Um, you know, really, we're no, no different than the people of Israel in many, many ways. Because we, uh, at times, we seek after the things of this world more than we do seek after the, uh, the joy and the, uh, that we can have in Christ that we can uh, seek after and, and have the, the presence of Christ with us more. Um, we, we fail in many instances like that. Um, when I think back, um, I'll talk a little bit in chapter six here, just a little, but um, what I want, want to think about is at this time in the, in, the, in Israel, we had uh, really Samson and uh, Eli. They were really contemporaries. They were alive at the same time. You know, there was, you know, you know Samson was a judge in this area. Somebody else was a judge in this area. You know, if you read through the, the judges, it's not necessarily uh, chronological. Um, but, you know, they were having problems all over that country as far, as far as seeking after God and, and maintaining uh, their worship of God without the, uh, the worship of idols. And uh, in many respects, I think that what we have to think about you know, is, is uh, the same thing these people suffered with is that when, um, when we become... Christians, we have to do away with the things that caused us to sin. Um, the, uh, uh, you know, we have to separate ourselves. And I think that's what God was trying to do. Now, when you think about the, Philist the Philistines themselves, why were they such a problem for the people of Israel? Well, the main problem was that they weren't destroyed and they weren't forced out of the land when they first came in. So what we see, you know, I, when we read there about, uh, uh, I know in, in the Ten Commandments, he's talking about worshiping false gods and, and, and the sins of the father being visited upon the third and fourth generations. I think we have the same thing here. God gave them direct commandments to force these people out of the promised land. You know, if it took killing them all, you know, men, women, children, whatever, they were supposed to do it. And they didn't do it. They did not fulfill what the Lord had told them. And here we are, many, many years later, they're still suffering from that. They are still paying the consequences of it because they did not fulfill what God wanted them to do. Um, the... Uh, In, uh, in our lives, we see the same thing in our Christian lives. If we fail to seek after the Lord and to follow the Lord, if we allow certain sins to stay, we, we suffer from them. Now, 
we, our children may even suffer from them if we do not wipe them out of our life. And I think that's the same thing that, you know, same thing they were seeing here, we can see the same thing if we do not uh, fulfill what God wants us to do. Uh, there, are, there are many people, uh, I'll, I'll use an example here, people who have a lot of hate for other people, it seems like their kids gain that also. And then their kids, and their kids, and their kids. You know, if you don't wipe that out, and, and uh, love all the creatures of God, you know, all the, uh, the people that God has created, we have that hate that just builds up. And uh, we, uh, it really makes us no different than, than the sinners, uh, you know, the, the unbelievers that are around us even today. The, um, I'm going to try to read the rest of this here. It says, Therefore they sent the ark of God to Ekron, so that it was as the ark of, of God came to Ekron that the Ekronites cried out, saying, They have brought the ark of God, the ark of the God of Israel, to us to kill us and our people. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, Send away the ark of the God of Israel and let it go back to its own place, so that it does not kill us and our people. For there are for there was deadly destruction throughout all the city, and the hand of God was very heavy there. And the men who did not die were stricken with the tumors, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. Um, there's a, a line here. It's in, um, I've got to find where it's at here real quick. Six. Sometimes feel like your eyes just don't work like you want them to. Oh, okay, right here it is. This is uh, chapter 6, verse 6. And this is when they were discussing what they were going to do with the ark. But it says, Why then do we harden our hearts as the Egyptians and the pharaohs hardened their hearts? See, they knew, they knew all about this. They knew about the plagues that had, had done in uh, the people of, of uh, Egyptians. They knew about the, uh, all the, the uh, plagues that had done in uh, Pharaoh, how Pharaoh had finally let the Israelites go. But even still, through that, where they saw all that power of God, they still worshiped their false God. That's what we see today in our lives. We see people, even though they can see the power of Christ, the power, the, uh, the, the uh, salvation offered through Christ, they still don't uh, want they just don't want it you know uh, they'd rather stay um, you know you know we, we have uh, many false religions you know, around the world today and uh, I don't think there's one false religion that we have today that wasn't around at this time I think there's still the same one they just keep recycling them um, the same false religions that were against God at that time are still against him today. There's no, people are no different today than they were, you know, 3,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. They're still exactly the same. They, and uh, when I, when I, as I was going through this, I got to thinking, the reason this is, and I think you guys have heard me say this before, 
everybody wants to make a God in their own image. You know, you know how God says to Christ and the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our own image. Well, that's what man in his heart says. Let's make a God in our own image. Everybody wants a God that fits them. Um, you know, let's go all the way back to uh, Cain. Uh, you, you guys all know Cain, right? You know, killed his brother Abel, you know, got a mark put on him. Nobody was allowed to kill him, you know, the whole story there. But Cain, you know, he, he brings a sacrifice to God. And God did not accept it. Now, was God being cruel to him? Had God decided, well, now I don't like Cain, so I'm not going to take his sacrifice, but I'm going to take Abel. Uh, no, I think that Abel brought a sacrifice that God had told him to bring, and Cain brought a sacrifice that he thought, I'm going to give you this, and you're going to take it. You know, because I'm making you in my own image. You're a God that follows after what I want. You're going to be the God I want you to be. Um, we can't make our kids do that. How do we think we're going to make God do that? You know? Um, but, you know, I think that's where, you know, we see that far back. Um, we see even Adam and Eve, you know, Satan, uh, the serpent, deceives them into that they could be gods. You know? Same story. You know, they, they wanted to be their own god. They wanted a god in their own image. And it, this goes all the way from then till now. And uh, I think that the... I think the key phrase, it's going to come up in a, in a week or so here, where God says to Samuel, they did not reject you, they rejected me. And I think that is the bottom line that we can say from reading all this and then uh, studying this today and why we have this in here. It wasn't that the people, they really wanted that stone god of a merman that couldn't do anything but they didn't want the one true God. They didn't want one true God to have power over them. They didn't want the one true God to tell them what to do. He, they did not want the one true God to have expectations of them that they didn't want to meet. So that's why people make their idols. That's why people, you know, they're going to worship something different. Uh, that's why we have uh, so many religions that are this close did you guys ever watch the show Get Smart? You know, you know, in that he always says, missed it by this much. And that's what a lot of people are going to say when they don't make it into heaven. Missed it by this much. Uh, well, that's about all I have to say today then. Um, I won't do the Forrest Gump thing, you know, but, uh, but um, let's, let's bow in a word of prayer. Our Father, we do thank you for being the wonderful, uh, majestic, all-powerful God that you are. We thank you for watching over us. We, we thank you for allowing your Son to come and save us, because there's no way we could, could ever have imagined a way to save ourselves. We just pray that, Father, that we would seek after you, that we would desire to follow you, and Father, that we would desire those around us that we love, that they would follow you also. In Christ's name, amen.